We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. What do you think about the Laker team now? You follow the box scores of the games every day? Just the Lakers. You're kidding. That is really a compliment. I was pleased to see you smile at the top of our show because once the game starts, you have a game face. You don't smile much out there. I don't think you have to do things for money anymore. Correct. What's up, Laker fans? Welcome to Laker Film Room Podcast, brought to you by the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Pete, joined as always by Darius. What we usually do, what Darius and I normally do a day before we're going to record, we'll DM each other on Twitter and be like, hey, what do you want to talk about? And I, you know, reached out to him. I actually think it was the day of that we're recording this and said, dude, I have no idea what the heck we're going to talk about. I feel so. And and the reason for that is because I feel so defeated by the season and just kind of like down about it. You know, it went so differently than, than we hoped and or even mild, moderate expectations. There's a decent chance they sign LeBron James and win as many games as they won last year. And I don't think anyone, even the most pessimistic amongst us, expected that. And that's kind of what we're going to talk about is processing this season, but also like, what is the value left of the last 15 games? So Darius, you you are the man equipped for this job to be therapist Darius uh, for not just myself, but I'm sure a lot of a lot of fans are feeling the way that I'm feeling or just like, Freaking, what does it matter? You know, and uh, so what is the value left in these last 15 games? You, you know, this is sort of what I proposed to talk to you about just because the Lakers, right, there's 15 games left. They, they, they just had what I thought was a good win against the Bulls. The Bulls are not a good team, but as we've said a lot over the last two seasons, um, the Lakers are not a good team. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I've always judged sort of a performance based off of its merits rather than how good the competition is. Um, 
this was the first game in a long time where the Lakers actually looked like um, a version of themselves from earlier yeah. during the year yeah. where um, they had a certain amount of energy. Um, they were set, from after the first quarter quarter on, they were, you know, quasi locked in defensively. They got um, a really strong LeBron performance and um, really good distribution um, performances from the rest of their role players. And yeah. that was basically the ingredients that they used to win early during the season. Um, and then after the game, I thought, and and just even around the Bulls game, I thought LeBron had some interesting comments um, post-game. I think he talked about this, the, well, this idea that this last stretch of the season can, can sort of serve as quasi-playoff games for this team. And then when he talked about sort of the Lakers going on this late season road well, road trip, he said that it was a good opportunity again to sort of get on the road um, and sort of adopt this bunker mentality. It's it's just us guys um, sort of like no that sort of no distractions idea. And um, it'll be good for all of for all of the players, but especially the young players, again, to, to sort of refocus. So in my currently cynical state of mind, the first place my mind goes with that is like, well, LeBron isn't familiar with being in this position, and that's what he's going to say to the media. And you're right, LeBron has been playing well, and he has he's been defending. Like, there has not been, I don't give a crap out of him. Like, he ha- there's not been a drop-off in the moments that he doesn't defend I mean that's no different than earlier in the year and that's going to be part of the deal at this point of his career as we've gone over many times but for me that comes across as more like media speak but do do you think that he's that there's value to LeBron in that you know bunker mentality with yes Lonzo out Brandon out like yes. you, you think that's genuine from him well okay even if it's not genuine I think it's sort of what a leader does right yeah so mm-hmm. like I mean all that media speak and all of that is just a form of leadership as well. We'd be, we've, we've dogged him and plenty of other players across the league, right. For having sort of sour attitudes. LeBron's had comments nitpicked throughout the media or comments that he's made to, well, well, to the media been nitpicked by fans and media alike, right? Like he had those comments like, yeah, I'd be. I'd love to play with Anthony Davis. I'd also love to play with player X and player Y and Z and on down the line, right? And those comments now, after the fact, are still being dissected as as contributing factors to this sort of failed Anthony Davis play and sure. this um, sapping of morale, right? Which I'm not saying that those that that point of view is is incorrect. I'm just saying that this cuts both ways. Right. So if we're going to knock him for sort of saying things off the cuff that could be construed as negative, I'm going to give him whatever props. And it's not a lot here, but I'm just saying, like, I'm going to give him yeah. credit for basically this is the last part of the season. He he, he still has some bad body language moments um, during the game. I think that he's been a little bit more active in terms of, um, you, you, you know, pointing out player mistakes while on the floor 
and been a bit more animated with that, which you can take as either a good or, or a bad thing. I really don't have a strong opinion about it well, either way. But what I've seen is a guy who's engaged at a time of the season where yeah. a lot of guys, and we've said this about some of the other veteran players who are still playing at this point, have not necessarily been engaged. And, and I thought the Bulls game was a good example of whether they were sort of rallying around LeBron or not or taking his lead or not. They played to a level and yeah. and with an energy that was needed. And, and it, it was part of why this season has been particularly frustrating. Because like in that game, KCP by the third quarter had scored more points in that game than he had in the previous six, right? And that doesn't necessarily mean that you're playing with a higher energy level, but... The performance that he gave and what JaVale did in that game were examples of like, if you can do this every night or like four out of five nights, it's a long season, you're not going to have have it every single night, but four out of five or three out of four type of nights, like that's what made it frustrating is because like, if they played like that, we wouldn't be in this predicament if they gave that energy level more often. Exactly. I even thought that Rondo for the last like two and a half core quarters gave yes, like too. a positive... um he had a positive impact, especially considering after the first 12 minutes, he was minus 18, yeah. right? So, so I mean, I thought that all of the players were sort of rallied and gave it their best. And if you're, and to get back to the topic on hand, if you're going to ask me, do these last 15 games matter? Um, within the context of whatever culture you're trying to build or establish or sort of continue not all of these players are going to be gone next season Mm -hmm. and i'd personally i'd like it if there was some momentum that carried over especially if it starts with lebron right because i Mm -hmm. think that if lebron is going to be a guy who over this last 15 games pushes right and and i'm I meant to bring this up earlier too. I don't think it's a coincidence that he's a little bit more engaged and has a little bit more life in him now that his minutes are back down to 32-33 a night. Because during that stretch where his defense was particularly bad about a week or a week and a half ago, that's when LeBron was up again to 38-39. He had a 40-minute game, right? Mm -hmm. And I think... That version of LeBron is still going to be sort of regular season LeBron-like, and he's going to need more from the role players in terms of like carrying the load defensively, those guys making the extra rotations, those guys being smart in terms of their defensive positioning and smart in terms of their offensive positioning and just knowing where they're supposed to be every single time. And what we saw a week and a half ago, two weeks ago, is that just wasn't the case. And and I felt like LeBron's lack of overall energy from playing maybe heavier minutes than what he would have liked to, with, combined with everyone else sort of not picking up the slack, it, it created sort of this downward spiral for this team yeah. where now LeBron's got... Not well, well, not only is he maybe not hustling defensively, but no one is picking up the slack for him. Now he's getting upset about that, and it's just going down 
well, it's a vicious cycle right? at that point. Just, yeah. just going down and down and down. And so I'd love for them to be able to turn it around in these last 15 games just to have a little bit more of a positive boost going into an offseason much earlier than what any of them would have wanted and, and sort of go in on whatever sort of high note from a team perspective, right? There's still individual guys like Ingram and Lonzo who are recovering from injury or serious health situations and and who knows exactly where they'll be when the season ends as as individuals but from a team perspective i would like for them to say oh okay like let's attack this offseason so that coming off of a nice stretch to close the year so that we're not in the same situation next year at this time so lost within these difficult times one thing the lakers have been doing more and I don't know if it's intentional, if it's part of, hey, let's try this toward the end of the season, especially with the coaching staff that's probably gone at the end of the year. But LeBron has been the big more often over these last few games since the Lakers have kind of thrown in the towel. And as a screen setter in particular, and I think that that's been really productive. And I think there are a lot of different things over the course of this season that have pointed toward... LeBron is increasingly becoming a big. Now, it's not in a con- conventional type of way, but a lot of his, I don't want to say weaknesses, he doesn't have many legitimate weaknesses, but like he doesn't like to close out to the three-point line very often. And if he were playing more four, more five, uh, because usually it's Kuzma when they're together. Kuzma has the four type of responsibility, and I've always argued that Kuzma is more of a wing defender, just more of a wing in general, and we just kind of have accepted that he's a four because that's what he's been playing. But with LeBron setting screens for Brandon Ingram before Ingram got hurt, those were extremely productive with LeBron as the screen screen setter and having LeBron, you know, on, on, you know, in different situations where he can be on the short roll and different things like that. He he's been devastating in those circumstances. It's just the whole thing's been so bad that it hasn't really mattered at the end of the day. But in terms of getting value out of the rest of this season, along with, you know, cutting LeBron's minutes down, and that may be something that I think should even extend into next season, hopefully get him into the 30 to 32 range and just get him like, I'd rather have LeBron playing 30, 32 minutes a game and giving the type of defensive effort that he has over the last, I don't know, seven or eight games or so than the 36, 38 minutes and he's finding his spots to rest at the detriment of the overall defense. I'd like to see them both do that and start using him in different ways where he's not the focus of the defense at the top of the key. And I think that the young Lakers with Brandon's emergence over the last, and let's hope he gets, he gets healthy and well, and this is a one-off. Um, but Brandon's emergence on the ball this year is one of the bigger positives where he became a legitimate on-ball threat, at least as an individual score. And I think that that plus Lonzo coming back and all of that will help facilitate LeBron's move toward becoming a big and I'd like to see them use the end of this season to get into that a little bit more but before we continue Blue Wire is teaming up with Harry's to make sure our listeners are shaving comfortably go to harrys.com backslash blue wire to save $10 on a value trial set which includes a five blade razor with a lubricating strip and trimmer blade rich lathering shave gel and a travel blade cover you get all of that for just $3 shipped right to your door enough with the cheap razors it's totally worth trying Harry's 
Ares is fixed shaving by combining a simple, clean design with quality and durable blades at a fair price. Harry's founders were tired of paying for razors that were overpriced and overdesigned. Harry's bought a world-class blade factory in Germany that's been making quality blades for over 95 years. Join the 10 million who have tried Harry's. Claim your trial offer by going to harrys.com backslash bluewire, all one word. All of Harry's blades come with a 100% quality guarantee. If you don't love your shave, let them know and they'll give you a full refund. Again, make sure you go to harrys.com backslash bluewire to redeem your razor for $3. And while we're here, the first weekend of the NCAA tournament is the greatest betting event of the year. Whether you like filling out a bracket, picking a national champion, predicting first round upsets, or all of the above, my bookie is the perfect home for your March Madness fun. Will Zion Williamson and his teammates cement their legacy at Duke with a title? Can Virginia get past its loss to a 16 seed last year? Can Kentucky get back to the Final Four? If you know the answers, or even if you don't, MyBookie is the place to get in on the action. They have something for everyone, even you, multiple bracket guy. MyBookie has been in business for years. Their goal is to give you the best customer service in the business. And the best part is, they pay out fast when you win. I'm talking 48 hours. Bet with the best, then kick back and enjoy March Madness. Deposit with MyBookie today with promo code BLUEWIRE for a 50% sign-up bonus. That's promo code BLUEWIRE, all one word. With MyBookie, you play, you win, and you get paid. All right, Darius, so we, we've been talking about what can they get out of these last 15 games. Do you find there to be any value in tanking? Good question, Pete. You know what my answer is? Yes and no. Yes and no. So, um... <laughs> I, you know, I had someone on Reddit, by the way, get mad. Like, I posted it on Reddit, and forgive me for not The last podcast? Saying name. Yeah, on the last... Like, I just want Darius to freaking... Have a take. Just like have a take. Say what you, what's on your mind. Don't worry about offending anyone. Just freaking say what's on your mind. I, I don't think they realize that's this is kind of your take. Like the, this is this is the take. This is the yes. Take, the yes and have the, more yes. conversations with me, and then yeah. you'll you'll get that this is the take. Except yeah. you know a normal <laughs> conversation will have more cuss words. Yes. Um, yes, it does. Yes, it does. So, so y- yes, obviously. Like, look, we don't have to go on some, I don't need to go on some diatribe about, you know, the draft and everything related around tanking and the league's problems and yada, yada, yada. You can listen to smarter people than I go on those rants. You've got your top 10 draft board ready already, right? Yeah, my top 10 draft board is, um, you know, (laughs) oh man. I wasn't even prepared to have a conversation about a draft board in the middle okay, of March man. two months right? ago. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, but there was a section or there was um, a segment, I should say, on The Jump a couple of weeks ago. Um, you know, the ESPN show the Rachel Nichols hosted or hosts. And at that time, she had she had made the point... And I think that she said this on Twitter as well, but that the Lakers were something like five and a half games out of the eighth seed in the West, and they were only two and a half games out of the eighth worst record or something like that, right? And, and, And so the math was telling you which way they should be trying to go. Um Right, especially with flattened lottery odds and and all of that, you know, if if you get to I think seventh, and I don't have the exact percentages in front of me, but I believe the magic number is like 
having the seventh worst record. Because at the seventh mm-hmm. worst record, you have... Like doubles, yeah. Like, you have a fairly... I don't want... Like, I think, like, it's in the 20s, maybe low, like, low 20s, 22 or 23% or something like that. And maybe that's probably wrong, so don't quote me on that. But of, of jumping up into the top four, um, which is kind of crazy when you think about it. Because of the flattened odds and how now the top four teams are in, like, quote-unquote, the lottery in order to, like, be able to get up to the number one pick where it used to be, like, the top three. And it it's, it's just a different game now with the math. And so, yeah, I think there's value in tanking. Um, I'm just never one, though, to sort of root for losses. So, um, even in the like, did you the Julius you Rand- root for losses when there was like top three protected? The Julius Randall year was the one year where I was for real, sort sort of just like, you know, sort of stay around that spot where I I think the Julius Randall draft the, the pick was top seven protected. If mm-hmm. I recall correctly, or top, or maybe it was top ten protected. I can't remember, but it was at the point where I thought, no, they really need to sort of keep this this year, right? So they should sort of do what it takes. It's different when you're talking the difference between like the eighth pick and the thirteenth pick, or anywhere in between, or a top three pick or no pick at all. Yes. Right. And and so I'm in a similar place where I'm, it's a little more difficult for me to be invested in the tank when it's probably the difference between like the eighth pick or the 11th pick or 12th pick or something like that. And, and honestly, like I wasn't even really caring about the draft at all this year. If like, if you and I, we, and we probably had this conversation if not on the pod, then then offline at some point in in September. But um, and I'm sure I said this on Twitter, but I was really looking forward to not having to deal with like the lottery and not have to deal with like really digging into the Who draft. Who you telling, man? You you know. So so honestly, um, at this point, my heart's not in it in terms of. Um, I, I also don't think they it. keep the pick. I don't think the Lakers keep this pick. I'm, unless it's like top, you know, if they move up, yeah, then maybe that changes. But, you know, this is something LeBron's spoken on quite a bit. And I, I've bristled that a little bit because I thought it was not properly, you know, giving veterans attention. But the the Lakers already have probably too many young guys in order to yes. compete for championships, even if they do sign that second max guy, right? Yes. If things work out. Um that the idea of bringing in a rookie, no matter how good they are, unless it's a Zion, and and even then you start getting into questions about do you trade that for Anthony Davis and then keep everybody, or else. even That's- just replication in minutes and like how do you bring a guy like that along? Um, the sorry to cut cut you off, but like the guy who I was thinking about most was was Andrew Bynum. Mm-hmm. You know, Bynum was taken what tenth, tenth in two thousand five. Um, and he just started to come around in the 2007 to well 2008 season so that was we ain't got that type of time man yeah and 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 they brought him along really slowly um and 
I think that if the Lakers were closer, they might be able to say, oh, well, yeah, sort sort of like a draft and stash, but we're stashing him on our active roster. Right. Sort of like what they did with, but they already did that with, with like Isaac Bonga. <laughs> sure, but that's you different know? when he's a second rounder yes, but, who's like 18 years but old. But I'm just making the point that it's like you only have so many roster spots available. You're hoping to build a team. You're going to need a certain amount of depth. I'm not just like you said. I'm not sure if they keep keep the pick or not. Who knows what the roster Eve, Eve even looks like next year beyond LeBron? To tell you the truth, like even earlier when you were saying stuff about Brandon Ingram and Lonzo Ball, you you know, like the cynical part of me wanted to jump in and and sort of say like, are they even Lakers next year? That's a sure. conversation for a different day. So we're not going to get get into that now. I do see value in tanking. I also see value in the sort of this idea that we were talking about earlier, which is closing the season strong. Look, the Lakers have 15 games left. If they go 10 and 5, they'll finish the game or they'll finish the season at 500. This season's been a crazy disappointment. And nothing is going to change that at this point. But damn it, if they close the season basically going 11 and 5 over their last 16 games I think I'd feel just a smidge of happiness like I would feel oh they finished 500 do you think that there would be any value in that type of closing kick even if it has nothing to even though it's not going to get them to to the playoffs and and only probably solidify their status as getting like the the 11th, 12th or 13th pick or whatever. That's an interesting question that my first instinct is no it doesn't have much value, but there's also some like, you know, if they put up 41 wins, part of your pitch to free agents and whatnot is like we missed all of this time, everybody missed all this time with injuries. We had pieces that didn't fit, and we still won 43 games. Imagine if we add you and we have a little bit of health this season where we can really go for it. You know, we, I, I don't know how compelling that pitch is sure. to, to a free agent, um, but there, there is that. Uh, I guess, and maybe this is, and this is kind of how teams tank anyway. There's very few teams that go out and say, all right, guys, we're going to lose this game tonight. But I think what most teams do is what the Lakers should probably do in terms of having the rest of this year be somewhat of a tryout for the rest of the season. Big minutes for Mo Wagner, right? Uh, get Bonga some run. Although from what I've seen of Bonga, he's probably far from being ready to even do that. You know, do you do you want to bring Caruso back next year as a 15th guy? Or, you know, Jonathan Williams, those different, you know, those different types of things. But with Lonzo and Brandon being hurt and Josh, I mean, I feel like Josh should probably take off the rest of the season too with the way his knee has been. Yeah. Um, there's just... Not a lot of guys on the roster right now that are in that, like, hey, let's give them a tryout, see what they look like for next season type of position. Yeah, I think Wagner needs to play a fair amount. I wouldn't mind actually making sure Caruso got 18 to 22 minutes, honestly, a night. I want to see him actually against, like, starting quality players and even, like, backup quality players. 
just to see if he can tread water in that end of the pool. I've been impressed with Caruso defensively. Offensively, his reads are a lot sharper. And in terms of as a passer and as a cutter, his his playmaking's a little bit better than what it was last season. He had a few nifty passes in that Bulls game, and he's been doing a little bit more probing with with the ball. He He's a little careless with it for my taste, but he does have talent in that respect. He, he is a little bit careless with it, and I, I feel you on that. He's probably a third point guard on yeah. on a good team and you you know or a two and a half point guard on on a good team and a backup on you know a team that wins like anywhere between 28 and 35 games right you know um but he competes defensively which i really like and i don't think that that's a show because he's on a two-way contract i just think that the dude just competes. Um, mm-hmm. So I wouldn't mind sort sort of giving, using this as, or, or using this last stretch of the season to really get Caruso some burn. Um, another guy who I'm in, in, interested in, and, and this isn't necessarily from like a young player's talk, but is Reggie Bullock. Yeah, yeah. Right? So Bullock's had pointed comments. He'd like to return. I know that the Lakers cap space and chase of stars and all of this, but but I'd like to see him continue to get his regular minutes and get some burn. I like Bullock, so I really like to keep things friendly with him, if that makes sense, yeah. And, yeah. and just sort of keep that line open with him. It's really unfortunate how the timing of his acquisition coincided with kind of the chaos with within the Lakers yeah. and that Bullock is very much an organized basketball player. He's not a guy that as things kind of broke down and things became less organized, which leads to losses on, you know, leads to giving up a lot of points and not being able to run effective offensive sets. I, I think that affects a guy like Bullock more than it does a guy like Rondo. For example, Rondo can create shots for others out of just regular actions. Like Bullock needs to be within structure and he got here right as the structure started to fade away and he hasn't shot the ball particularly well uh, as a result of that. But yeah, he's a guy that I like, and he's just like that solid pro that can stretch the floor and all that. I'd very much like him to be in the conversation, but like other dominoes are going to have to fall before you get to Reggie. And you and I have talked about this too, but Bullock's probably a backup on a good team. Probably. So Mm -hmm. um, I'm not necessarily saying that he should be a priority or anything, but really good teams have players like Bullock as backups. So yeah, really good teams have like six or seven starters. Yeah, but you just can't start all of yeah, them. Yeah, and and also guys in in slots eight, nine, and ten who are real NBA players. You know what I mean? Who are real six men quality type type guys, right? I'm not talking like a Lou Williams type. Like Lou Williams is a starter type type guy, or like what the Clippers have done, right, with Harrell and Williams. Those guys are starter quality players. Those are those like six or seven starters that that you're talk, talking about there. But there's a bunch of teams like not to go right to the top with like the Warriors or, or, or a team like that. But 
you know, when the Warriors were at their absolute peak, a guy like Sean Livingston was such a key contributor. Now, Livingston's not a starter on a good team. He like he could maybe give you a spot start here or there, but he is a really good pro level player and I think Bullock can be not he's not the same type of player as Livingston at all, but in terms of quality and and consistency, he seems like that type of guy who you can slot into a real rotation and you can feel fairly confident that he's going to do the right things most of the time. And yeah. honestly, the Lakers need more of those guys in general. Yeah. If, if there's going to be one critique that you really are going to have to hammer home about the way that the Lakers built this specific roster is the guys that they targeted in free agency this this past year, there was an unpredictability about them that bore out exactly yes. in the worst ways that it you could know, it's have funny, throughout the season. That's a great word for it, too. We talk about the shooting, we talk about personalities, but unpredictability like... <laughs> I like my role players to be predictable, or at least, you know, to whatever extent they can be. Now, there's always the old adage of, you know, role players don't play as well on the road. And by virtue of the fact that they are a role player, they are not going to be as productive from night to night. That is not the same thing as being unpredictable. Yeah, there's there's a steadiness that I think you and I both appreciate with... Um, with players like i don't know seven through ten or eight through ten on on a roster it's totally fine to have one or two of those sort of volatile guys i think that those guys can be a real spark for your roster and help you win you know a handful of games a season and can maybe even win you a playoff game yeah right but when you have three or four of those guys on your roster and then you end up having to depend on them Mm -hmm. night to night for well for for production that can go really wrong it can go right too but it can go really wrong and I felt like as the Lakers season started to slip away that was one of the major themes is that the unpredictable guys were exactly that and yeah and there's too many yes and and there were too many and it's like sand falling through your fingers, right? Like it's just slipping away, man. And these guys don't have the wherewithal or the consistency or the steadiness to sort of say, oh no, I'm going to be right where I'm supposed to be every single time offensively and defensively. I'm not going to make every shot. I'm not going to, I'm not going to lock my guy down. I'm right. Like there's a reason why these guys are role players and not starter level players or stars or much less superstars but that consistency of sort of being where you're supposed to be and and all of that matters like i i feel like like zubats is a great example of this or even the contrast between early season tyson chandler and and javel right javel mm-hmm. offered a certain amount of upside and unpredictability and at the start of the year that bore itself out with like oh wow JaVale McGee's playing great and then in the second half of the season or after he got pneumonia and everything 
so I don't want to just pin it all on just unpredictability and 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 all all of that. But his play suffered, and he never really recaptured that with any sort of consistency that that early season form that that he had. Chandler, now Chandler's been banged up and he's been hurt. He got back spasms, and you could tell that he's never really been one hundred percent physically after whatever happened to him around December. It like. He 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 looks like he's been wearing cement shoes. He just hasn't been able to get up and down the floor and move around the floor as as effectively. He hasn't finished around the basket and he's had no well no lift. But the difference in in what types of players they were, Chandler was just always where he was supposed to be. He just yes. always was. And on a certain level, that's kind of what Zubots was too. Zubats was just where he was supposed to be, and it's why, and it showed up not necessarily in box score stats, but it showed up in things like plus minus. It showed off in, or it showed up because well, he had on he had rating. a current level. He had a current level of talent to match with that being in the right place too. So like that's what Chandler didn't have right. Like, and there's still value to a guy like I'm gonna set a good screen and I'm gonna be in my spot. I know where I'm supposed to be and where I'm supposed to be going. Zubats did much of that, and then he had some talent, some ability to finish around the rim, some pick and roll ability, uh, you know, good defensively around the rim, things like that that he stacked on top of that, and that's where you really start getting players. I'm sorry, that's where you really start getting places with with role players. Yeah. So look, when so to bring it all the way back full circle, when we're talking about now what it's going to look like, not next season. But for the rest of this year, it'd be nice for me to sort of see, oh, okay, can they put together a good stretch run of basketball? And can they see if they can find some of that consistency with some of these guys who are down the roster who are actually going to be back next year, right? And so like even a guy like Kuzma, right, who we haven't brought brought up th- this entire time i'd love to see these last 10 10 or 15 games him start to like get back to doing some of the little things that he was doing when he was playing at his best earlier during the year when he got a lot more run without brandon ingram and and all of that where the rebounding was there the playmaking was there the passing was there improved effort defensively was there like let's see some of that from some of the guys who we know are at least from a prospect standpoint are going to be back next season and I think that that's a nice way to sort of try to end this this campaign and if it gets them to 500 or close to it to me that's all the better because I think on some level the optics matter here just as they have throughout the season where folks have been able to say like, oh, this is a big failure. Because I can guarantee you that if they actually do close the season strong, I would hope that they can start to shift the narrative a little bit. What do you think? I hope so. I you know I don't think anyone's going to be terribly impressed with a forty and forty two or forty one and forty one Lakers at the end of it. But you know any good momentum I think is productive, and I do think that. The difference between, you know, getting the eighth or ninth pick and getting the, you know, 12th or 13th pick, I don't think that's 
enough to to overcome the value of that. And I, and I do understand why some people would feel differently about that. And we're going to wrap up now. It's going to be a bit of a shorter episode. And going forward, we're going to start to get into more of the future with the draft and the free agency and just how to approach the next steps with this uh, with this team coming up. So you've been listening to Laker Film Room Podcast, and we will catch you guys next time. Give me a chance to think. It takes me a little while to get lined up. I know it does take you a while to think. Rebound to Vladi. Nice rebound to Vladi. Oh, magic ahead and go to Fake. Goes under and scores. Woo! Dancing ovation. Listen to the crowd. I think that is a cosmetic call, baby. Okay, kid, you're all right in my book. Will you get these idiots out of here? <laughs>